okay, I get it. There's darkness all around and that is really scary, but there's light in our homes. I think it is important for Christians to remember that what was always the hallmark of the Christian church, back when it started with, what, 12? The hallmark was not, you know, the worship music and the, you know, how big your small groups are. You know, the hallmark was hospitality. The hallmark was Christians risking their lives to share their lives. So that's just not different. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Rosaria Butterfield. Rosaria is a mother, a pastor's wife, and the author of multiple best-selling books, including The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. Today, Rosaria and I discuss what it looks like to embrace the Christian call to radical hospitality, even during a pandemic. She shares about how her family has sought to continue reaching out to those around them with the love of Christ, reflects on our tendency to spend more time reading the news than reading our Bibles, and calls on Christians to fight against the fear that threatens to destroy our witness. Let's get started. Rosaria, thank you so much for joining me again on the Crossway Podcast. Oh, Matt, it is my sincere pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we we last had you on the show, I believe it was back in May of 2019, uh, which really feels like a lifetime ago, wouldn't oh, yes. you say? Oh, I agree. It, it's been, uh, it, it's kind of a truism to say that 2020 uh, was interesting and in many ways very challenging for, for all of us. Uh, there's, uh, I heard one per- person describe the year as feeling like everything was just upside down. And it wasn't just like a week or two weeks. It was just months and months and months of sort of things uh, in many ways kind of getting worse and worse. And um, do, you, do you resonate with that feeling? Like how, how has 2020 been for you and your family? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I mean, I, I would say that for, for the Butterfields, 2020 really galvanized and focused our Christian calling. Mm. Um, um, you know, it, 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 uh, it, it was certainly was not business as usual. We relied, you know, even more heavily on um, the basic means of grace just to get through things. Um, we prayed for discernment as we were hearing, uh, you know, really, I would say some fairly inflammatory examples of government, government overreach and thinking about what our responsibility is as a church uh, in that um, we pray as we always pray for boldness around here because, you know, I don't know, that's always a good thing. Um, but it also became very, very clear early on that some of the, the core things that are always been part of our ministry, hospitality being the ground zero of that, that that had to continue. Okay, that was not, uh, you know, that was not going to go away. And the reason was Whenever you have a situation where you've got lockdowns, people are feeling disenfranchised, um, depression is up, people are losing their jobs. I mean, there are all these things. What the Christian church needs to do is love better and love more, be more connected, be more available, um, and, and, and really be more discerning. 
So I would say we've been uh, acting a little bit like the Hebrew midwives. You know, we've just been quietly going about the business of the church. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, so far, you know, so far, uh, here we are um, seeing God bless and magnify our ministry and specifically our, our hospitality outreach. Mm. So speak to that a little bit, this idea of hospitality in, in the deepest and richest and most distinctly Christian sense of the word. Um, that's been a real priority for you and your husband, Kent, for years. And, and, and you've spoken a lot about even the, the theological significance of that word and uh, to our calling as Christians. Uh, and yet, uh, 2020 has been weird in that uh, we've sort of been under these lockdowns that that would seem to cut against the heart of what it means to be hospitable and, and make that a, a core part of our lives. So ha- what has that looked like uh, for you as you haven't presumably been able to uh, do some of the things that you maybe used to do? Right, 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 right. You know, actually, I would say that uh, 2020 makes the gospel comes with a house key look like, you know, baby steps, you know, mm. hospitality, baby steps. Well, you know, first of all, when the when the pandemic first, uh, you know, was announced really in, in March, what we saw were all of these, you know, schools closing uh, before parents were home. So yes, you know, here we're not supposed to open our doors. We don't, you know, it's airborne. Please don't breathe. You know, Psalm 150 may tell you that everything that has breath praises the Lord, but (laughs) Matt, come on, you know, breathing is dangerous. Don't do it. Um, And, you know, what happened was instead of having five kids, we had 20, you know, because, or, you know, I mean, it was just, it, 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 there were kids that needed a place to be before their parents were home to figure out what to do next. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. That's what we did. Um, immediately when this happened, friends of ours, specifically single friends of ours, who had been part of large churches that do big things, their lives were derailed. And so at the very basic level, we found ourselves, everybody with a phone that could FaceTime was had somebody on FaceTime during family devotions every night. Mm. And, and that was from the very beginning. And so, you know, so we sort of limped around along like that, you know, checking in on our neighbors. Um, one of the, the other thing that happened, just, it just, I live in North Carolina and um, the food that the farmers had, uh, had grown and, and sent, you know, it was packaged for restaurants and all of a sudden, there were no restaurants opening. And so um, my daughter and I, my 14-year-old daughter and I, uh, we don't stay home very well. Um, <laughs> and we discovered that the only way you get out is if you're an essential worker. And we're just, we weren't. So we got a job in food distribution. Hmm. We started working for a company that distributes, that's, that helped farmers redistribute food from um, uh you know, from, from restaurants to homes. And in the process of doing that, we met some really lonely people. We met people who are, were terrified to go out. Um, but then the other thing we learned, so our church couldn't meet for worship. We could use our church, you know, very early on to just sort of project worship, but, you know, gatherings were limited to five and 10 people. We discovered that this company that we worked for, uh, because people weren't going to grocery stores, Everyone is ordering food. We discovered a very useful use of the church building. 
And that was as a food distribution site. Hmm. And so our church, which had been closed for worship, was now open, you know, multiple days a week as a food distribution site. And our church is in a very liberal neighborhood. Uh, it's three blocks down from the LGBTQ Rights Center. Nobody had much, you know, like, what are we doing there? I don't know. And all of a sudden, you know, see, you see organic vegetables, on the, you know, and so all <laughs> what, of a sudden- what was, their, what was their impression of the church before the pandemic, yeah, it, would you very, say? Very suspicious. I mean, suspicious of the church and very suspicious of me. So, you know, just the combination, mm. but, but now, you know, now we are um, a food distribution site and that's a wonderful bridge, uh, uh, you know, a, a food in a pandemic, uh, distribution of food in a pandemic is holy hospitality right there. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, you know, I, I, you, we also have food that we can give away and often I'll meet people who need food and I can give it away and people will say things like, hey, nothing's free. And I'll say, well, this broccoli load is, and so is the gospel. You want to hear it? <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, so it also has just been a wonderful opportunity uh, to meet people and also to support other working people. You know, um, on, on food distribution days, I clock about 20,000 steps on my phone. Uh, you know, it's hard work and in the rain it's miserable and these are long days and so we would keep the church open so that the workers could have respite you know there's the coffee pot there's the restroom and and again this is during a season when people don't want you to come in but you know part of being a christian means being discerning about the things you hear about what you're supposed to be scared of and so we're told that, you know, COVID-19 is the great equalizer. That's not true. Original sin is the great equalizer. Actually, some people have comorbidities that make COVID-19 a lot worse, and other people don't. And by God's grace, uh, you know, in our family, we don't have those comorbidities. And so we have felt like it is um, logical and Christian for us to get on the front line of of helping people. So let's let's dig into that a little bit. This this dynamic of fear and and our our response as Christians to uh, a situation that is very scary uh, for a lot of people. Yes. You know, a lot of Christians would say this year has been a year full of fear and anxiety. And and you mentioned going out on these food distributions with your daughter, your fourteen year old daughter. Right. So how have you sought, um, even with her and in that work together and in the other things that you've done as a family with your other kids, how have you even thought about that and talked to them about uh, the danger and the fear and yet our calling as Christians? Well, and again, I think that's where Christians are really called to be discerning. Um, and, and I think um, we are not called to panic. Uh, and it, in some ways, this reminds us a lot. You know, Kent and I were licensed foster parents for ten years, and one of the one of the realities of being a foster parent is that everybody around you can be in panic except for you. You know, the birth parents can be in panic, the kids can be in panic, the social workers are always in panic, and you just have to be, you know, Christ's man, mm. Christ's woman, seeing God's providence in this. This isn't an accident. This isn't a mistake. God is good and wise and just, and he is good and wise and just all the time. 
and he has a purpose, a godly purpose for COVID-19. And, you know, Christians are to pray to be one mind, and that mind is the mind of Christ. And we don't know yet. I mean, I remember being in New York in the, in the 90s when this crazy, you know, pandemic hit in a very disproportionate way my community, which is at that time the gay community. And at that time it was called GRID, Gay-Related Infectious Disorder. People don't remember. Huh. That's what it was called. That's what HIV yeah. was called at first. And I was not a Christian then. I remember the panic. And so we talked to our children about that. You know, the, the Lord knew from the foundations of the world that this is what it would be like. And he loved us so much that he decided we would steward well this moment. And we're going to try to do that in sickness and in health. So anyway, we, we early on um, included our children, appointed them to high positions in the, in the roll up your sleeves and care for your neighbor mm. that had to happen. And um, there are the very worst thing that could happen, right? The very worst thing that could happen to a Christian is that you would lose your assurance of salvation, that you would lose your confidence in the Lord, um, that you would really fail to keep your hands to the plow, that you would listen to the words of Satan and not trust the Lord. Those are the worst things that could happen to you. So we need to make sure that we are helping to uphold and uplift each other and also really think about and care about the people who don't yet know the Lord mm. and the people whose lives are in financial ruin not because of the pandemic, but because of the shutdown. Um, I mean, in Durham alone, we are anticipating between 20 and 30,000 evictions. Um, that's a lot of children during a time when people just don't want to touch each other. Yeah. So who's going to, how can you virtually take care of children who are homeless? Okay, like that makes no sense. Well, and, and that's such a hard thing here because I think one of the biggest temptations that we've all probably felt to some extent uh, over the last year or so has been to sort of, as we quarantine, to also sort of circle the wagons. And it's like, I got to protect myself. I need to protect my family. And it can be very easy to get self-focused self mm -hmm. and, and, and lose sight of other things. And one of the things you've written about is how uh, one of the, the biggest uh, contributors to that is when we, we are so focused on ourselves, we lose sight of other people and their needs and the way that we can meet them in that. Uh, and and we kind of lose sight of even simple spiritual disciplines that help us to be thinking that way. Um, ha has that been a temptation for you at all? Have you felt that pull to be so focused on yourself uh, that you would neglect some things uh, that you've had to kind of fight against that? Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I am married to Kent Butterfield, who is a rock. I don't know if you know this about Kent, but he is like, he is steady Eddie. He really is. And, um, yeah, no, he and we have a pretty consistent our home uh 
crazy as it is, you know, we, you know, morning devotions and evening devotions and, you know, bring in the people. Um, we also do live in North Carolina, which I don't want to rub in the uh, wonderful weather we have, but, mm. um, what's you it know, like right now? Even now, I mean, look, it's really, it's, it, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it, you know, you can still put, you know, have, if you want to, okay, you feel better if we open the windows in the dining room. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um, you know, so I, 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 I think, um, I, 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 I think that it is extremely important, um, to remember that pastors are called to a higher, not a higher calling, but actually um, a more consistent standard in applying a Christian calling. I really believe that. And pastors' families are. And, and so Kent has many, many times in our marriage and in our life, you know, brought us together and said, okay, people, everybody's panicking. We can't. Hmm. And let's remember who the Lord is in this moment. He is the king of the universe. And we are going to follow him. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, as you go through devotions, I mean, one of the things that happens when you just read the Bible consistently is you discover how many times um, the question of providence is really hard. Okay, that, you know, and how many times the question of, of calling and giftedness is really hard. I mean, how many of the prophets wanted to say, look, I don't like that gift. Could you give me some other gift, please? <laughs> Can I repackage it? And so um, I was, we were, you know, and so we spent a lot of time also in this house listening to sermons and, and feeding off of the word of God. Nobody in this house is, um, is, is on any kind of social media. So we aren't, we weren't really being fed you know, with the mania and, you know, so, but we would read things like we read, you know, Daniel Defoe's, um, uh, we, we read his book on the, the plague years and it's hilarious, right? It starts out with what would have made it worse. He was five years old during the plague. <clears throat> and he said, what would have made it worse is if we had newspapers that printed, wow. you know, and you're like, wow, newspapers. That's so interesting. I think in, in this past year, this new term is, has arisen. Maybe you've heard it. Doom scrolling? Have you heard the term doom scrolling? I believe it. No. See, it, it's yeah, crazy. it's this idea of just how we can get so sucked in to continue to surf and read online, read through Twitter and social media, all this bad news, and then then that impact is really detrimental. Yeah. And then what you miss, you miss things like Exodus ten, what twenty three, twenty four. Uh, during one of the plagues of Egypt. And I, I was listening to a, a wonderful sermon by to Toby Sumpter, and he just nailed this one that one, you know, that, uh, you know, where there was darkness around, a darkness that could be felt, there was light in the homes of the children of Goshen. Okay. And that's where we are. Okay. I get it. There's darkness all around. And that is really scary. But there's light in our homes. But, you know, I think it is important for Christians to remember that what was always the hallmark of the Christian church, back when it started with, what, 12, right? The hallmark was not uh, the, you know, the worship music and the, you know, how big your small groups are. You know, the hallmark was hospitality. The hallmark was Christians risking their lives to share their lives. So that's just not different. And, and the other reason that things have just, I think, maybe been easier for us is we're psalm singers. 
you know, that's it. We, you know, you want to have a worship service, you don't have to plug in anything. Hmm. All right. You, you have your pitch pike, you have your Psalter, you have the voice that God gave you and we will sing the songs of Zion. So, so in some ways it is a, um, a faith. Ours is a faith tradition, not better, not worse, but one that is, um, it, it is made for these kinds of moments. Has there been a psalm over the last few months that has kind of stood out to you and been a real encouragement to you? You know, I, we sing through the Psalter, and so there have been just so, mm. so many psalms. But I would say the um, the Hillel Psalms, uh, the and and the the Psalms of Ascent, the idea that you are, you know, and you think about those Psalms of Ascent. Um, um, you think about what it would mean to pack up everything and make that trek right to Jerusalem. And you know, what's going to happen on that trek, you know, babies are going to be born. People are going to die. Like it, there's a lot going on. There's a, you see your fragility when you sing Psalms, you not only are stepping into a great cloud of witnesses who had to risk their lives to worship. And I think we need to remember that, that, what were we delivered from in the book of Exodus? Exodus is a book of redemption, not not a book about slavery. But what what you know what were we delivered from? Well, slavery, and what were we delivered to? The opportunity to worship. So so speak then to the the Christian listening who who would say, I get that, but um, if I'm being honest. That just hasn't been the case for me. I, I have let my fear overwhelming. Maybe they have they have neglected the 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 means of grace that God has given to us consistently, and they have they have felt the distance from their church and from their community, and and they are right now. If they were being really transparent, yeah, would say absolutely. I'm not doing well. What what word would you have for that person? So what I would say is that it's very simple, and it's and it's a daily thing. I mean, it, repentance is a daily thing around here. You get up in the morning, and the first thing you do is you take a good, hard look at yourself through the reflection of the Bible, and you say, Lord, I repent. I have so failed to see you as the king whose purpose for me in this situation is good and wise and just and holy. And you pray that the the Lord would um, bring Christians into your life who are bold. And, you know, let me say, too, that if you do have a comorbidity, I don't think you should be doing the things I'm doing. I mean, this is not not a one-stop uh, you know, th- there, this is not a one size fits all, uh, you know, proclamation. We're not yeah. talking about works righteousness here. Um, I have the great privilege of delivering food to Christians who who have not been able to really leave their home since March, and we've been able to sit uh, me on the outside of a of a you know slightly cracked window with my mask and my gloves on and. And, you know, the, the person I'm delivering food to on the other side and sing psalms together. Mm. We've been able to pray together. Um, we've been able to connect. So um, everybody needs to be connected to somebody every day. And this is especially crucial for singles. 
we cannot abandon our singles. And you know what that means is that we who um, are not living alone need to go find them. Yeah. You know, and, and including, you know, a good and godly use of technology. You know, Christians should never wallow in feeling bad. What we need to always do is look at where Jesus is and go there. And we do that by repentance. Repentance is the threshold to God. And that's such an interesting um, biblical perspective. I think a lot of what I've heard during this pandemic from Christians in particular is sort of an acknowledgement that uh, this has been hard. None of us are at our best right now because of the stress that we're under. And what we all really need to do is give ourselves a little bit more grace. How would you respond to that? If you want to give yourself more grace, you're going to give yourself more repentance. Giving yourself grace. I hate it when Christians say that. I do. I really do. No offense, Matt. And maybe, maybe you say this and we're going <laughs> to... But yeah, don't tell me giving, giving grace doesn't mean being a slacker. Okay, that is not what... Yeah. You know what grace is? Grace is the blood of Christ shed for you, Christian. Not one drop, which would have done the job because he's God and man, but the whole, everything, he bled out for you. That's what it means to give grace. So you want to give some grace? Awesome. Man up. Get, get you know, hear the, hear the commanding charge of your king. Gird up your loins. Roll up your sleeves. Get in there. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you should not use this as a good time of reflection. I'm not saying you shouldn't realize that our students are really, um, they're grieving. I'm not saying that you should be careless with the feelings of others or that you should be foolish in how you apply the word of God. Um, but if you're, I think it's, I think it's a biblically faithful thing to say that while your circumstances have changed, your calling hasn't changed. And that should give you a lot more bandwidth to be sensitive to others, to be alert to others, and to, to move in and see what you can do to help. But you know what? If everybody slacks off right now and calls it grace, okay, that's, that's not the gospel. We only have grace because of the blood of Christ which was the boldest, riskiest, most sacrificial act of love that we have no words to even really adequately represent. Well, thank you, Rosaria, so much for uh, taking some time to talk with us and to share a little bit about uh, your experience, your church's experience of COVID, and and how you have sought to uh, continue to uh, show hospitality, Christian hospitality, uh, among those you're you're ministering to. Thank you, Matt. It was, uh, as always, just a pleasure to talk with you. That was Rosaria Butterfield on our call to Christian hospitality during a pandemic. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider leaving us a review? That helps us spread the word about the show. 
Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.